Hello, and welcome to Head and Heart, a Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. My name is Katie, and I'm here with my best friend and co-host, Frankie. Hey, guys! Hello, everyone! It has been a little while. We apologize for not being able to get an episode out every other week, but guys, it has been insane. Changes are happening in our lives. We have work. It's been a lot. So we're doing our best. Yeah, uh, my sister graduated yesterday and so the last two weeks have been there's been a lot of events she's had a lot of her uh softball games final softball games so there just hasn't been time (laughs) yep and I just started a new job that I'm getting used to and adjusting to so and learning all the ropes and all that so it's been a lot for both of us but we're so excited to be here today and we are going to be talking all things the Disney family yay our favorite little family (laughs) our favorite little family of gingers sorry Weasley yeah (laughs) yeah uh yeah so we'll just be talking about are they all ginger i forget is every single one of them ginger i can't remember if um the mother is i can't remember either i believe she is we haven't gotten an official disney family portrait what's the mother's name is it julian is it uh we need to know this that sounds too close to jolie yeah uh, hold on. We need to know this before we start this podcast. Um, <laughs> Keeper of the Lost Cities, Disney. Mom. Julene. It is Julene. I was right. It is Julene. Oh, that's super close to Jolie. Wow. Maybe that's why they did it. I mean. Julene Kalia Disney. Ooh, Kalia. That sounds almost like Polynesian or something. Yeah, but. So I don't, I think she might be, because Edeline, I'm pretty sure, has reddish hair, so. I think she is a ginger. Yeah. So yeah, we're just going to be talking. Oh, Amber. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're just going to be talking about all the dynamics and, like, them and their own characters, the triplets and the stuff they're going to be dealing with. So yeah, it should be an interesting episode. It should be. The family trauma with, you know, not being a, uh, what do you call it, matchable pair. <laughs> yeah. Um, or a, a pre-approved matchable pair, I should say. They are a good match, to be perfectly right. clear. But um, they weren't pre-approved by the matching system. They might be the healthiest couple in the I series. agree. They are a very healthy couple, even though, are they the one with an age difference? I believe one of the adult couples has a decent That's age Alden difference. and Della. That's Alden and Della. Okay. I can't yeah. remember which one it was. Um, but yeah, even though they weren't, like I said, pre-approved by the matching system, this goes to show what bogus it is. They are <laughs> arguably the healthiest couple in the series. So, like, I love them. I love this little rambunctious family. I love slurps and burps. You know, the little store that they run. I think it's very charming. They do, not just the ginger part, give me Weasley vibes. Also, their status in the world. So, and being kind of a rebel family. You know, it gives the vibes of the Weasleys being looked down upon and being kind of rascals, even though they're purebloods. I think that was intentional. I think it was, too. I think she intended to make her own Weasley family. Yeah, and it it definitely comes across. Like, <laughs> it just, Which, it does. Which, if you're not familiar with Harry Potter, I mean, if you're, if you just, you know, 
became the age to read it, middle grade age, and you haven't read it because of all the recent controversies, that's obviously understandable. But beyond that, I think we all read Harry Potter in our childhood, so you know what we're talking about. And the movies, and there's so many references in pop culture, I feel like you have to know. Right. Even if you you want to support the franchise now, you know what we're talking about. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. With the Weasley family. I definitely think it is a big reference that she is making there. And obviously, this is this series started around the height of the popularity of Harry Potter when the movies were ending. So it like bled right through. Yeah, no. Around the 2010, 2011 mark. It was definitely, it had to be a little bit intentional. Like it had, like, yeah. And if it wasn't, subconsciously it was. You know what I mean? So, uh, I guess to start, Frankie, who is your favorite Disney? I feel like this, there, there's only one real answer to this. There really Dex. is. Yes, you can't, Dex. I mean, you can love Kessler and Julene, which I think they're both great char- side characters. you can characters. love the twins, the triplets. triplets Sorry, yeah. I keep, I'm thinking Weasleys, <laughs> I'm thinking twins. Um, right. No, but and you can love the triplets too. They're rascals, but they're absolutely adorable and charming. So I think the whole family is incredibly likable. It's a very difficult, but at the same time, easy question to answer because obviously we get to know Dex. Dex the best. It's Dex. It's yeah. Oh, the triplets. It's funny. I think this is another. It was similar with Cora. You're a younger. You're the youngest sibling. I'm the oldest sibling, and you thought Milo was hilarious and i thought milo was so annoying i think it's similar with the triplets where you're like oh yeah they're spunky and charming and they're so cute and i read triplet scene and i'm like i would lock them in a vault i would lock them in a vault (laughs) i would not i think they're hilarious i think it's hilarious that the mom put that ugly statue that she was gifted out by the doorway so they would run into it and smash it i think that's a hilarious gag i don't know if you it's, remember that but she I mentioned do. it yeah i think that's absolutely hilarious oh my goodness it's a great way to handle them like oh <laughs> let's cause intentional destruction that we want to see let's put the stuff we want broken out in the open <laughs> i just see i can feel dex's older sibling tired like pain oh uh, yeah just <laughs> like uh, oh look it's the triplets again what are they doing? What do I have to stop? Yeah. I have to go. I have to go control my crazy siblings, and I feel his pain. I'm just like, oh, Dex, been there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So speaking uh, of the um, triplets, that's another way in which this family is an outcast because not only were Julene and Kessler, is it? Yeah, I think it's Kessler. Kessler. Okay. Um, K E S L E R, I believe. Um, yeah. Not only were they not a match, not on each other's list, but also they had triplets, which is very much looked down upon. I mean, twins are looked down upon. I can't imagine triplets. And not only that, but one of the triplets is about to be talentless, which is going Listen, to be awful. And three I think out of four kids is going to look at that as being a sign that it's that they're correct. That having twins or triplets is a bad thing. That one of them isn't going to have an ability. Yeah, well, they already think they're correct anyway, because they already think about the bad match, that is. They already think, oh, we were correct about the bad match because they had triplets. That's proof. The bad match. (laughs) Right. But having three out of your four kids get pretty nice abilities, like, 
that doesn't seem like a fail to me. Like, no, odds are, not at all. Odds are, if you have four kids anyways, regardless if they're triplets or not, like, let's say they just had four kids, n- normal births, no triplets, they still, <laughs> I feel like, one of them was probably not going to get an ability. Like, three out of four kids, the fourth kid might not get an ability. Like, <laughs> yeah, that seems like good no, odds I agree. to me. Like, odds are one of them isn't getting something. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, no, I again, totally it shows agree. how stupid the thing is. Yeah, it does show how stupid it is. And going to the family trauma, I think that, is it, hang on, let me see if I can remember. Bex, Lex, and Rex yes. are the triplets. Which yes. one of them, I don't remember which one doesn't have an ability. I never remember who's the girl. I never remember which I one believe, doesn't have an ability. I believe Bex is the girl, but it's one of the two boys who See, doesn't have an ability. Yeah, it's one of the boys. Um, Bex, we done the girl research, became a but... phaser. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them one of the froster. boys became a froster like his mom. Yep. Yeah. Thanks to uh, Keith and his spidey senses now with abilities <laughs> reading that part in unlocked <clears throat> excuse me reading that part in unlocked and you probably i figured it out even before keith did what this meant i'm sure you did too because the, mm-hmm. the hints are all there and you're just like oh no oh no the absolute like devastation that's about to hit to have yeah. all of your siblings have an ability to have your two of your triplets who you've always been connected to who you've always been quote unquote the same as because you're not the same but you you have your own identity but your identity is still very much like oh they understand me they know me right we've always been through everything together to then go to them having an ability you not having an ability oh I can't even imagine like the divide that that would put in your own heart like oh and like I said, how society is going to use it to prove their point. You had triplets and one of them didn't turn out with an ability. Look at us. We're right. When that's totally yeah. not the case. And like you said, three out of four kids having an ability is pretty dang good. I mean, that's the 75% success rate. Dex has helped save how many people with his ability? Oh my like, gosh, he's worked with the literal government. I mean, for better or for worse. He was manipulated but, at one point doing that into <laughs> making the circlet, which was horrible. But he has done so much for the world, so much for his people. He's incredibly successful, incredibly gifted. Yeah, it just, so it's almost like, okay, fine. Yeah, one of them didn't get an ability. Uh, our other child has literally helped save multiple lives, hundreds of lives. If you look at Atlantis, I know he wasn't a huge part in the Atlantis thing. But, like, he's been part of missions that have saved hundreds yes. of elven lives. Like, okay, come after one of our children, but then your own ideas are reversed because our oldest <laughs> is a bad A. <laughs> like, a, I don't swear on this podcast, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. He's done a lot. <laughs> he's a bad A like his mom. Yeah. And even Kessler. Kessler spits in the face of society and i yes oh, he I, does, love and I love it love <laughs> it i love how dex has considered not signing up for the match just because and they all say well you could do it you could sign up and then just not fall through with it and he's like well if i sign up i feel like 
I'm adhering to this society that says my family is wrong. And it's like, and they're like, so you'll be a bad match? And he's seriously grappling with this. Like, this is how much society's views on the match list have affected him. Like, ah, uh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, and he has the ability. The thing is, it must be a really difficult decision because for the Disney family, he has the ability to turn things around. The fact that he's a technopath and... Mm you know, get married based off the match list and form a regular family and restore the family's reputation. But is that the moral thing to do? Is that what he wants? Right. And that's what Sophie grappled with for a long time before she went to get her match list. Yeah. And even and then, I, I still think she's grappling with it. I think she jumped the gun a little bit. She wanted, she did it for fits. I yep. stand by this. She yep. did it. Fitz and she have that conversation when they're in the infirmary healing. And he's not, I will give this to Fitz. He, he isn't pressuring her. He does like say, I don't want to force you. He was like, I just think this is why you should. And he gave her his thoughts. And then Sophie grappled with those thoughts. Yeah, she's invested he, in it because it impacts his life. The, with him liking Sophie, it impacts right. his life. But and he's he also hints not at pressuring that. her. Because contrary to what some people may think, we don't hate Fitz. He has his flaws, but we yeah. don't hate Fitz. And one good thing that he did was never pressure Sophie about it. He merely um, gave her a push to make the decision for herself and help her see right. both sides. That's really what he was doing, was helping her see the other side of why it may be beneficial to her and why she may want to do it. So she could he, genuinely weigh the decision. He hinted that he hinted in that infirmary scene that he wanted her to get it because he likes her. Like, he hinted at it. It wasn't, like, a full statement. And I think that's what made her be like, oh. Because Sophie is so against all of it. She doesn't like the thought. She As doesn't like Dex. The, right. She doesn't like the thought of the winnowing galas either, either. She likes it a little bit. She's like, oh, I could dress up. It might be fun. But for the most part, her introverted self is like, a bunch of winnowing galas. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> That's like a, to as a, fellow a million proms. A million proms? No, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't go to one prom. I went to two, and it was enough. I went to two, <laughs> and it was enough. Thank you very much. But yeah, I think it also parallels Sophitz and Dexiana because yes. Sophie tried to do it and when she couldn't Fitz was really like oh no and I'm curious to see what will happen if Dex doesn't do it and what Biana's reaction would be if she does go the Dexiana route like Which or even this could be a ditz. To. even this could be a ditz parallel if we bring it back to <laughs> Dex and Fitz like like Fitz has a crush on the two people that don't want to go on the match list and he's just like damn I can't catch a break <laughs> we don't think it's oh, gonna go goodness. that route we no, think it's, it's gonna totally not we're going Dexiana which is my right. number one this is my number two um that's just a fan and ship that yeah we like. exactly yeah exactly because this is one of those series where you can do that kind of like Avatar where there's a lot of yeah. shipping that you can see but you still right. have your number ones just like I can see uh, Sokka and Zuko in Avatar, but Sokka and Suki will right. always be my number one. 
Um, that kind right. of thing. So Dexiana will always be my number one. And mm-hmm. I think that Bianca isn't going to give a crap. I think she wants I, to rebel from her family. I think yes. that she's going to take the Disney name if slash when they get married in the future. And I think that they are going to lead their little adorable, rebel, rebellious, excuse me, lives together and say, screw you to society. I agree completely. That's why I said it. I find it to be an interesting parallel between Bianca and, and Fitz, because Fitz has always been like the Vacker legacy. Yes, I will. I will see it come through. I will be like the hero of the Vacker legacy. He's always looked up to that, which is an episode wrong on the Vacker legacy will be coming up soon. By the way, as soon as Frankie finishes rereading Flashback, we've been so busy. She's been stuck on Flashback for a few weeks, but once yeah. she finishes it. We're doing an episode on the Vacker legacy, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so that's been Fitz's thing. And it's not a bad thing that he wants to, like, help his family name. He's very proud of it. But Bianca, yeah, throughout, like, the last couple books, she's just like, do I actually want that? Or do I just want to be my own freaking person? And Bianca just wants to be her own freaking person. Yeah, Bianca has grown so much from the prissy, stuck-up girl that Sophie met at the beginning of the first book. Yeah. Oh, she's had some of the best character development. I don't think she wants to be a vacker. I really don't think she wants to be a vacker. She's not. If there's one kid who isn't going to fulfill the vacker legacy, it's Bianca. Plot twist: Bianca was the vacker legacy the whole time. (laughs) No, but Alvar got to her. Alvar got to her within the last couple books. From I'm saying this from the perspective of reading flashback right now. That I'm speaking of like the. The book before, flashback, flashbook, that sort of stuff. But Alvar gets to her. You, Even though she doesn't say it, you can just, you, you feel it. You feel it in the subtext that his words, she's like, what is he talking about? And like, is there something here? And yeah, it's, she, I think she definitely, if Dex was like, I'm not going to get on the match list, she would be like, hmm, I don't think you need to. <laughs> like, so you're speaking to Nightfall and Flashback. Yeah. Okay. Book six and seven. Got it. Yeah. Back to the Disneys, though. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really like about them is that they have such a unique array of abilities within the family. You have the one kid who takes after the mom, mm-hmm. the one triplet. But then the other two are totally random and very different yeah. from one another. And I like that. I think it kind of captures the zany nature of the family in itself in the kinds of abilities that they got it captures the abilities themselves too like abilities are not just genetics they're i think there's something to be said for personality and what you're good at and your ability fitting to that as well which is another reason why the whole your parents and their match lists make the abilities it's not i don't think it's about that at all it's about if you have one or if you don't and how it encompasses yes your family but also your personality a little bit right like i think it's super fitting that one of the rebellious you know rascal i keep using that word but it's really the best word triplets is a phaser able to get in and out of walls and stuff Um, yeah it captures the mischievous nature of them if the weasley twins were you know fred (laughs) and george were in this world i think they would have been phasers they would you know have been I mean? something like that. 
They would have been something to mess with people. One of them would have been a technopath and the other would have been a phaser because they would have hacked into so many things. That's that's very accurate, actually, yeah. Not both of them being phasers, <laughs> but one being a technopath. I like that. Fred yeah. would have been the technopath and George would have been the phaser. That's my headcanon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, back to the Disney. Charlie would have been a... Uh, polyglot able to communicate with animals. Yeah, communicate with yeah, dragons. definitely. And Ginny would have been a pyrokinetic. So <laughs> definitely, yep. Ron Weasley head cannons. So we're here to talk about Keeper of the Lost Cities, not Harry Potter. Um, I keep mixing up the triplets, but I believe Bex is the girl, or is it? Oh my goodness, let me look this up quickly. Lex is a boy. I remember that because I remember being like, I would have thought Lex was the girl, but Lex is one of the boys. Yeah, well, we literally have a best friend named Lexi, so. <laughs> I know, that's why it confused me. And Lex is just thought of more of as a girl, like, nickname. But yeah, Lex is one of the boys, so it's Bex or Rex who's the girl. It's and I think you're right. Bex. Yeah, I think you're right. It is Bex. Because Rex and Lex, I feel like both I would think more of as girl names, but they're the boys, which is cool. Yeah. Okay, so Lex is the froster. Mm. Bex is the phaser and Rex is the one without an ability. Ah, uh, Rex. Uh, it's just gonna be so tough. I can't imagine it. I I, I feel so bad for the kid. Uh I he and he's gonna have to like lean on his dad. Yes. A lot. His dad is going to become a huge example to him, absolutely, on how to navigate being talentless in this world. And poor Dex feeling hopeless, knowing that this is going to happen, but not wanting to tell him. Because how would you be able to tell him? It's like Callum and um, Ezrin on the Dragon Prince. Callum knows something that Ezrin doesn't and doesn't know how to tell him. And it's like, how could you tell your little sibling something that's going to devastate them? And you just have to sit on it. Yeah. Like, uh, I make a lot of jokes about, like, oh, I would lock them in the vault, and oh my god, younger siblings drive me crazy, but, like, I, it would cause me so much pain if I knew something awful was gonna eventually happen to Casey, my sister, and then had to tell her, or knew about it before everyone else somehow, and then did it. I wouldn't know what to do. It would be awful. Well, you've already had to navigate your younger sister, you know, being kind of ostracized by society mm-hmm. and dealing with severe mental illness. Yeah. And, you know, um, how you approach that as an older sibling in helping them. It's yeah. actually, it's not entirely different. No, it's not. Because, I mean, mental health, it has gotten better, mental health awareness. But when we were younger, uh, let's say from the age of five to ten, it was still pretty taboo. It was. This was a decade, a decade and a half ago. It was still like, what is wrong with that child? Oh, they need to do something. And it's like just judgment from others constantly. Oh, my gosh. I remember helping this in one grade. I forget which grade it was. It was like second or third grade. Mm-hmm. There was this girl in my class with autism, and she was pretty low-functioning autism yeah severely mm-hmm. autistic and she needed a lot of academic help and all the other kids made fun of her and no one wanted to sit next to her no one wanted to partner with her and i sat next to her every single day and i partnered with her when mm-hmm. we needed to do group work 
And the para who was helping her actually pulled me aside and thanked me for being her friend and for being so kind to her. I have always had a huge heart when it comes to that suffering from mental illness myself. I am, yeah. you know, OCD and I have GAD and it's not the same, but right. you know, it's kind of adjacent. So I've always right. had sympathy. And the fact that in our lifetime, it was still like that when it comes to mental health awareness is so sad well it's just because everyone loves to give opinions it's Mm -hmm. like everyone loves to give opinions on that's not how I raise my kids that's not how you should raise your kids it's like you do not know what it is like to raise a child with severe mental health disabilities or disorders like I grew up pretty much helping raise her just because of how severe it was and so just to see the like the judgment and it's like you do not understand that not life cannot be the same for her as it's going to be for other people (laughs) yeah you cannot raise her the same way yeah and to bring it back to the disney family i love how shannon messenger uses figures like the disney family to highlight our own society's own biases you know Mm -hmm. she They don't discriminate based on race or skin color or ethnicity. They don't discriminate based on there's no money distinction to discriminate about, you know. Right. But she chooses these other things to have them be discriminatory about that are so bizarre to us. And it makes you take a step back and realize how bizarre the things we're in our real world are discriminatory about are. Like, you know, why, you know, we think why would you know, you care that someone had twins. It's a completely normal, natural thing. Well, mm-hmm. why would you care what someone's skin color is? It points right. it out in such a, and highlights it in such a beautifully simple way. How honestly I, bizarre and weird bigotry is. Mm-hmm. And I think it also, back with the mental health things with the triplets, she also represents that in the fact that I believe that they all have ADD or ADHD. They oh, are all, yes. <laughs> like, absolutely, like, they are mirrors of that. Like, mirrors of our society in that way. So now to add another thing to the triplets where it's like, oh, he's about to be severely ostracized is just, it's cruel, but it's brilliant. Like, it hurts, but it's a brilliant form of being like, this is how this society is and how they're gonna dex especially is probably gonna step up to try and change well, it dex is arguably autistic coded specifically asperger's oh i absolutely 100 percent would believe that headcanon yes no problem believing that headcanon <laughs> i the fact his intelligence his specific kind of intelligence which trinkets the fact that he misses certain social cues with Sophie about the nature of their relationship and has to have it laid out and explained to them Mm -hmm. is very similar to how certain neurodivergent people will miss social cues. I absolutely believe that Dex could be, not necessarily, there are neurotypical people like that as well, but could Mm -hmm. effectively be read as autistic. I believe he also doesn't like eye contact. Like, I believe... He he looks down a lot when people are talking to him, or he looks at something he's tinkling with in his hands, or he's looking at, like, he doesn't make a lot of eye contact, which is another sign of neurodivergence. Yes. 
So specifically just, anxiety, but it's also common amongst neurodivergence in general. Anxiety and autism. My, yeah, like I have the same eye contact thing. I have to actively work to maintain eye contact. I am not good at it. I have a mm-hmm. hard time looking people in the eye. And it's from my GAD, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah, no. And my anxiety has gotten much better throughout the years. I used to have severe, severe anxiety uh, to the point where I didn't really leave my house for a couple of years. But um, it's a lot better now. But I do still have to be like, uh, you should probably be looking them in the eye when you're talking to them. <laughs> you should probably do that. Because it just becomes like habit not to. It's just habit. But uh, yeah, no, I love that the the Disneys especially, uh, they're just coded so well. Like, just everything she does with them, you feel like they are the outsiders and that they are going to do everything they can to subvert people's expectations and to just be like, yeah, okay, you think we're weird? Here you go. Here's a shop that confuses you as you walk in. Here's our triplets that we love. And Kessler with his potions and just, he's so essential to the society. He's so essential to Elvin society. Yet he's talentless. And it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Once again, that's where their bigotries lie. Mm-hmm. And it's so effective in pointing out the nature of our own bigotries in our world. Yeah. We look at it and think it's ridiculous. Well, so are the things that we judge people for. Right. And everyone has an inherent bias. Oh, like, yeah. Everyone. Everyone. Like, you can say, I'm not homophobic i'm not racist i'm not a bigot blah 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 you still are going to have inherent biases i don't care if you are a white person a black person a gay man a straight woman you have inherent biases based on how you grew up the culture you grew up in everything yeah on an animalistic level yeah too, a animalistic survivalist level comes inherent with biases And so you have to actively grow. You have to actively be like, oh, wait, this is my bias. I have to work on this. And like the new generation in our world is championing change. So Mm -hmm. so is the new generation in the elf world, in Keeper of the Lost Cities. These kids standing up to the matchmaking system, for example. And essentially giving it the finger and saying, no, I'm not going to let this dictate my life. Sophie Mm -hmm. and Dex are very much like that. I fully believe that, even if we don't get it in the books, I fully believe when they're older, the match list, they're going to advocate for it, and it's going to become, the match list is going to become like, here are the people you absolutely cannot match with because you are related to them in some way. And then here is the suggestion of people we think you would get on great with. And then if you want to do it, amazing. If you find someone you're in love with, amazing. You know, Livy and Quentin were a match, and they're a failed marriage. Yeah. So it should just be a suggestion. It should be here is a list of your relatives. Don't go there. And then right. here's like our suggestion because there is a good point of like, oh no, they need to keep track of this because For the relative part, right? Right. So if you right, just make it about that and then provide helpful suggestions, right? And I fully believe that. Hopefully, like, even if we don't get it in the books, because it would be a huge process to turn over. It would be like giving women the right to vote. You know what I mean? At this point. So, so like, 
I don't think we're gonna get it in the books, but I fully believe that, like, after the books, when they're older, this system is going to change eventually. There's no way it doesn't. A lot of kids are seeing how messed up it is. Tam and Lynn are like, they already want to say screw you to the system because of what it did for them. Tam has said that he doesn't think he'd even get a match because he's a shade and went to Exilium and blah, 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 blah. So it's just, Morella! Morella is a pyrokinetic. What's she going to do? You know what I mean? These kids are going to fight back. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. Him, I see as being the, you know, the, I threw it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I see Tam as being. Tam would get his matchless just to, like, Set have it on Morella, fire. Yeah, have Morella burn it in front of everyone. That is where I was going with that. I was like, Tam would get it, and then he'd go to, like, the middle of Town Hall or whatever, and be like, Morella? And she just burst into flames. Imagine and then they'd walk off into the distance holding hands. That's how oh they, they come out as dating. That's how they come out as dating. I'm picturing this set to the background of Les Mis music, too. Yeah. Oh, God. It's perfection. But, yeah, I just, I fully believe that's where this will happen, even if we don't see it in the books. Yeah. If anything, it'll be a brief mention if we get an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Like, a quick line about things changing and all that. But besides that, yeah. I, I don't think we're going to get much about it. I mean, there's no way. Unless it's we like get a I said, series set in the future. <laughs> it's like I said, it's at the point where it is right now, everyone believes in it except for a couple people. It would literally be like giving African Americans rights, like giving like yeah. women the right women to, the vote. Right to like, vote. And I, I, I think the um, voting rights yeah. issues you know with suffragettes and then the civil rights movement are the best comparison specifically yeah. the voting rights and how messy it got it would be messy it would be oh it's their bias it is their prejudice in this mm-hmm. world it is the it's the one everyone grapples onto because they're all raised into it they're like ah oh, yes the matchless there's such precedence put on it that to break that system yeah it would take years of hard advocacy and fighting and you know the disney's would be leading the charge yeah well and the other thing to think of here in our world obviously we don't live forever a new generation comes along and they take over and their ideas eventually become the ideals because they're the ones growing up growing older elves don't die so the people who have for a millennia held these prejudices are still alive it would be the new generation versus literally every single other generation because the elves don't die it would be like us trying to make the changes we're trying to make today if people from the victorian period were still around exactly it's such an uphill battle but i believe they can do it i believe they're gonna do it but enough about revolutionaries and social change (laughs) i think well next we should talk about the disney parents uh speaking of revolutionaries and social change (laughs) julian Uh, who who is one of the members of literally joined the secret society (laughs) right the collective oh great uh it's really interesting that kesler he had every right to be furious when he found out she kept it from him and he was he was furious but the way that they talked it through was beautiful such a healthy relationship yes He's Only not a strong yelling. relationship could have survived that. 
he's not yelling, he's not, like, being aggressive, he's hurt, and he's upset, and he gets his point across, and she gets her point across of why she kept it a secret, and why she did this, and just, uh, and Kessler's main point was, I would have helped you, you, <laughs> I made a shop just to annoy people who thought Literally. we were different, I would have helped you, <laughs> and it's like, Oh, uh, that's the kind of love that I want one day. <laughs> Literally same. Uh, Literally same. But Dex takes a while to forgive her for obvious reasons. Yes. Like, she knew what he was going through and she couldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And she kept her identity from him. And even when he was kidnapped, she kept the fact that she knew he might be alive like, to herself. Like, it's a lot to unpack. It is a lot to unpack. And, you know, talk about family history, family trauma. But the fact that they're able to get by it shows how strong mm-hmm. the whole family is as a unit. Yeah. Which, once again, uh, shows what BS the whole matchmaking system is. Right. We just keep going back to I that. I know. That's what you got to title it. You can't even title this, like, the Disney family anymore. You have to title it, Everything More Wrong with the Matchmaking System. (laughs) But it's true. Uh, No, and the fact that... We are the opposite of that song from Fiddler on the Roof, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dex's trauma by itself, we talked about it a little bit in the trauma episode. But just how he deals with it. And how, how the whole family, family deals with it. Him being kidnapped, yeah. getting scarred, being essentially tortured as a boy. Mm-hmm. And the family dealing with their son being missing and then presumably dead. And then Dex having to go on the run. Dex yeah. having to become a fugitive and then fight for a rebel cause at all before the age of 16. I'm sure his parents were incredibly proud, but it could not have been easy. No, it's like Grady and Edeline all over again, where it's like, ah, <laughs> ah, the, I would not be able to be that supportive. They are so supportive. Okay, here's him. a question. Here's a question. Mm. Obviously, infamously, one of the Weasleys had to die in Harry Potter. Oh, God, don't and start. Spoiler alert, it ended up being one of the twins. It ended up being Fred. Do we think that one of the Disneys is going to die by the end of this series? No. I said that very hesitantly. (laughs) I was like, no, it's not allowed to happen. No. No. I think it might. I think in the last final books, final two books, we're going to see some death. And I think that the Disney family might have to make a sacrifice. But would it be Dex? If it's Dex, I'm going to scream. Oh, because I just don't think, like... We haven't seen enough of the triplets for it to hit hard enough that I don't think it would feel kind of like a useless death. I don't think she'd do it. I kind of think it's going to be the mom. I I was going to say, like, it would have to be Kessler or Julene, but I also don't think it'll be Kessler. It would be Julene, but I also don't really see that happening either. Like, I don't know why. I'm just kind of like, I'm going through the bullet points in my head, and I'm just like, I don't know if it would happen. Uh, it would be, uh, don't, as long as, ah, uh, it can't be Dex. If I, I had know. to guess, I think it's going to be the mom. I think that yeah. Dex and Bianca are going to get their happy ending in defying the system and having an adorable little romance. 
And I think that Kessler having to step up and raise four kids as a talentless man uh, or elf, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, three out of four of them who have abilities, I think would be incredibly powerful, all while trying to support and be an example for the one that does not have an ability. Yeah. I think would honestly be a very good writing move and I think would be very interesting. So if anyone has a target on her back, I think it's the mom, to be honest. Well, she's also in the collective. She's also in the collective. In the collective, in the line of danger. Well, and it would shake up the collective too. It would shake that up and ruin that. So it's just like, if it was going to be someone, yeah, it's probably Julian. Because it just, it has the most stakes. To be frank, Dex is due for some more trauma. He's had it pretty easy the past few books, I would say. Uh, beyond and, his and friends flashback, not hanging out with him. Listen, in flashback, he was part of that fight with Wiley and Soph- Sophie and Fitz. He was part of that fight. He got a little bit banged up. He had to watch them be tortured, okay? This That's traumatic. True. He had to watch them. Like, the worst torture in these books happens in flashback. The oh, It's brutal it when is I was brutal. reading it. It's... They're explaining how the bones are breaking one at a time, how the tissue around the bones is snapping, how the ligaments are snapping, and it's just, ah, continuous. And Dex had to watch this, like, and not do anything, and just fight to do... Wiley, I know this is about the Disneys, I just need to say, Wiley is a badass. Oh my god, does he single-handedly take down three never seen? Three of the never seen. He single-handedly takes them down in that scene. And it's just like, Dex helps, but it was all Wily. And he doesn't even have an ability that's traditionally seen as good for fighting. Oh, and it's so good. I just had to say that. I had to give some Wily some love because we were talking about that we'll scene. We'll do a whole episode off. on Wily and Maruka, I think. And Prentice and, and yeah, um, that whole family. Tyrkin. Prentice and Tiergan. Casey, I've been reading my little sister these books. I just have to throw this in here as well. We get to um, one of the scenes in the second book, and it's talking about Tiergan trying to help Prentice and all of that. And Casey just looks at me and she just goes, Are they in love? <laughs> I was like, I'm so happy you picked up on that because I didn't think about it until later on in the books. And then I was like, Wait a second, that'd be really cute. She picked up on it in book two, and she was just like, this just feels like a gay romance story to me. And I'm just <laughs> crying laughing. Like, That's fantastic. Losing my mind. Uh, but yeah. And the fact that, um, what's his name, has a failed marriage with a woman. I mean, content. <laughs> There's a reason it didn't work. <laughs> Listen, I think Quentin loved Liv a lot. I think they, but I just, they just, I hope Liv and Elwin almost like, start something cute together i don't know they're cute they're I, when they're working in the lab together it's cute <laughs> Quentin, it is cute so i'm debating yeah. between repressed gay and bicon right now no i'm talking about elwin and liv oh elwin together is cute gotcha quinton i think could be a repressed gay but i also think he did like genuinely love livy and like that he was attracted to her that's so, why i'm also debating bicon <laughs> yeah <laughs> But Tyrion oh, and Prentice, Tyrion, Prentice, and what was her name? The wife. We don't need to know it. Starts with a C. Sierra. They were a 
Polly. <laughs> I love that half of this podcast is just, we are going to make Keeper of the Lost Cities queer if it kills us. <laughs> Listen, there's no queer representation, and there's so many queer-coded characters. What does she expect to happen? No. Tyrgen, uh, Prentice, and Sira were in a polyamorous relationship. Don't at me. Oh I don't God. care. <laughs> I don't care, Okay. They raised Wiley, and I just, mm, I, don't, I can't get into it, but yeah, uh, that was our tangent. God, we, o- we only had one tangent this this podcast episode, Katie. Aren't you proud? I'm, I'm proud of us. I'm very proud. That was but the only tangent. We should probably get back to the Disneys for a little bit before we end this. <laughs> right. Let's talk about the Disneys for a couple more minutes who before we have are, to go. Who I think are generally sh- a straight family, all of them. Yeah. Besides Dex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Dex is so such a bicon to me or pans because I think Dex would be pan. I don't know. I just know he doesn't if feel he's straight. Not straight. Like, I think he would be pan. I agree. Right, it would be pan because I think again goes back to like labels and Dex would just love someone for love. It wouldn't yeah. be you know. Yeah. I just I think it fits his character amazingly, but that's not the point here. Um, but yeah, I just the. Disney family is one of the most iconic families in that book series. They're definitely the healthiest. We are They're, overdue for a Disney family portrait. We got one for the Vackers. We got one for Wiley's family. We got one for both of Sophie's families. Her mm-hmm. human family and her elf family was Grady and Edeline. We are overdue for this next book, a Disney family portrait. In the same yes. style, matching the other ones. And I know the artist has some controversies. I haven't looked into it, so I don't have an opinion. As to oh, what yeah, parts I have no idea what you're true. talking about. <laughs> uh, the artist, Laura Hollingsworth, um, there's allegedly some accusations of homophobia and stuff. And uh, okay. I haven't seen anything, so I can't confirm if it's true. I don't. I can't imagine it comes from nowhere. So, yeah, you know, I'm not. What? Yeah. But we it's still a need a mess. portrait. It's a whole we mess, need a but portrait. we still want a portrait. <laughs> it's basically what I'm uh, getting at, because I love the Disney family with all my heart. Uh, they're just, they're like a Disney, like D-I-S-N-E-Y family. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. A dysfunctional Disney family. It's yeah. Encanto. It's Encanto, basically. It is Encanto. Oh my god, it is Encanto. Because the whole not getting an ability... Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, that was a realization. Madrigal. <laughs> oh, wow. That okay, is well, that was a, that that was a realization I didn't mean to make. Okay, <laughs> with that, should we end it? Keeper of the Lost Cities from Rex's point of view is just the movie in Kanto. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, goodness. No, in all seriousness, um, I think we summed up the Disney family pretty well. I think the episode was just the right amount of chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that embodies the family itself, their chaos. Sprinkle in some chaos. Sprinkle in some chaos. <laughs> yeah. A few little tangents here and there, you know. Good times, good times. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed our talk about the Disney family. And without further ado, happy, I'm going to say ditz shipping today because it's about the Disney. Yes! Happy ditz shipping. <laughs> happy ditz and Dexiana shipping. Yes, there we go. Dexiana, my number one. Happy Dexiana <laughs> shipping too. Ugh, bye, guys. Bye.